Hi guys, it's Udo's and welcome to the Udo show. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Helen Taylor and she's a vice president of impact at Exodus Cry. And I'm super excited to have her here because she's changed so many things uh, all across the world and everything. She helps so many women and people of, you know, sex crimes and sexual exploitation and all kinds of stuff and also help ending sex trafficking or, you know, progress with the laws and all that kind of stuff. And um, she wrote a manual to help uh, victims of sexual exploitation. So thank you so much for all of the great work that you've done. You've been around for like so many years working on this and it's really impressive with all of the work that you have accomplished and all of the progress and I know it's like it's like so hard to like go against all of this stuff and try to help people and like change the laws and change you know things within sex trafficking and sex victims and all of that kind of stuff so thank you so much for all of your hard work and I'm so excited to talk about everything today or how we could change things and help everybody and everything like that so yeah welcome to the show absolutely thank you so much for having me on all days and it's been so amazing all our conversations that we've had up until this point and um this just feels like we're kind of inviting um inviting the world into uh, what we've been talking about and I know when I first heard about sex trafficking, it was in 2007. I've never even heard the term before. Mm-hmm. And I think that from that point till now, there has been so much awareness and so many organizations have started to really assist victims. And we're seeing some major cultural changes and progress in laws, which is incredible. Um, and I feel like now we're having to address the next wave, which it relates to so much of what we're going to be like chatting them through today about technology and image-based abuse um but yeah our organization we just really want to shift the culture we want to shift things long term and really like abolish sex trafficking um look at the laws that are the most effective in um, helping reduce trafficking around the world and really promote those and we made some films and documentaries and then we do like you mentioned we um assist real victims in every aspect of the sex industry and uh, anyone who's being trafficked and exploited and wants assistance in many different forms um we're there for them so yeah there's so much happening so much that that is really important to talk about right now yeah that's amazing like I know when I do like an introduction there's like a little tip of the iceberg but there's so many different things that you guys do I mean I just watched like some of the documentaries on Netflix and stuff like that and I was like wow there's all these issues going on that like we don't even think about or you know like since it's not happening to us we don't even know about you know so like the ones with the teenagers and the whole sex rape culture and all that kind of stuff so Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for all of the work that you guys do. Another thing that I wanted to kind of touch base on was uh, people don't really understand the terms of sex trafficking. I think a lot of people, when they look at sex trafficking, uh, they think like, oh, well, sex trafficking is something that happens to, you know, some girls or women, like they get caught in an alley somewhere and get kidnapped to somewhere. And then all of a sudden now they're being trafficked. Right. right. But can you just explain how sex trafficking like 
most of the cases work and then also how digital sex trafficking is also like included in all of the traffic and how that's included so people can understand how digital trafficking sex trafficking and regular sex trafficking how it's all kind of combined into one uh, form of trafficking such an important question and I'm really glad you asked that off the offset um, because there's so many different forms of trafficking and it looks really different and for people to only have this one narrow idea of what trafficking looks like that it involves a physical kidnapping um, like force fraud or coercion are some of the umbrella terms used for what trafficking is related to it doesn't mean going across state borders or across international borders necessarily someone could be trafficked within their own home within their own community and town and anyone who's under the age of 18 who's in the sex industry is automatically classified as a trafficking victim legally because they're under 18 they're a child they can't consent Um, often you meet um, adults who were first exploited in the sex industry from um, a a teenage age um, and just because they're an adult doesn't necessarily mean that they're not still being exploited. Anyone who has a third party, like a pimp or a trafficker, um, taking all their money, that's much more common than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of assume that most people in prostitution are fully doing it uh, this just willingly and are making lots of money from it. Or those even in the porn industry who are making lots of money from it. If there is an element of fraud, force or coercion, Um, that person would be legally classified as a trafficking victim. Um, And what we're seeing now is these um, websites. It could be pornography website. It can be several others like we're going to get into today. If they are monetarily profiting from the non-consensual exploitation of someone else. So for example, um, a couple of years ago, we um, launched a, a campaign called Trafficking Hub. It, it became its own global movement. It took off. Um, there were over 300 organizations that signed on in support. So it really became a kind of independent movement. Um, and a lot of trafficking victims or rape victims or underage um, victims of sexual assault, um, those had been, those assaults had been recorded against their consent um, and put uploaded to these websites and several porn sites, but also websites like Twitter and, um, and even Facebook um, and other sites found on Google. Mm-hmm. And what we began to really find and uncover through talking to scores of these women is that websites were, they believed that they were completely removed from all accountability, but they were making monetary profit from the exploitation of these women. There was also revenge porn um, situations. And so this then became um, classified under the umbrella term of sex trafficking because they're now being trafficked not only by the person who uploaded the video in a non-consensual abusive way, but by these websites that are making um, significant money from the exploitation and knowingly because we would call them out on it and they were um, completely not paying attention and we went after Pornhub initially because it's the, the most well-known porn site um, mm-hmm. and the company that owned Pornhub own hundreds of other um, 
sites as well. It's kind of like the the king of the the porn empire, so to speak. And what's the name of the this company? Is it MindGeek or MindGeek? Yeah. Exactly. And they're based in Canada, but they're they're global. So most people have heard of Pornhub, but they hadn't heard of MindGeek. Yeah. And we basically and many other organizations got on board too to uncover that these sites didn't verify the age or consent of any of these videos. So mm-hmm. people began connecting the dots and realized like people have had videos uploaded of them in completely non-consensual situations mm-hmm. and they are completely powerless to do anything about it. They'd often contacted the website scores of times had been either ignored or told, sorry, like there's nothing we can do or underage girls were having to try and prove that they were 13, 14 years old and they didn't know how to go about this process. And so we were thinking if that video or picture is on this website, it's already too late. We need to have laws put in place to protect and regulate this from even happening. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, a lot of victims and survivors are now suing these websites. Yeah. And by the end of 2020, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, because it got mainstream global news, that Pornhub were forced to remove 10 million of their videos, 80% of their entire website, all their unverified content. Because wow. they literally had no idea how many hundreds or thousands of videos were underage or non-consensual because they didn't bother to check yeah Um, they removed the download button so that was another thing not only could people watch these videos they could download them and then even if a survivor was able to get that video down the person who downloaded it could upload it again so we just were so horrified that this was something that the website was promoting you can download these videos um you can reach like they didn't check the consent of the person who uploaded it or any of the people in the video Um, So that's something that we were really like calling for that consent needs to be properly, meaningfully um, received. Otherwise, this is what happens. There's real exploitation on these websites. Exactly. And like, just so everybody understands, you guys focused on like, you know, physical sex trafficking, all the stuff that we talked about. But because there's so much dis- digital uh, sex trafficking right now and everything is online, everything is digital, that you guys are like, oh, my God, like this is a big issue. And that's why when we connected, I was like, oh, my God, we're on the same wavelength. Like, I don't even have to explain myself. And I think like when this stuff happened to me, I didn't even understand that I was being trafficked, you know, like I knew everybody was profiting from me. and it's not just a little bit of money. People made millions and millions of dollars off of the views and my likeliness and, you know, uploading stuff. And not only did they make money and profit from it, but then also like I got cut off from making money. And then on top of that, I had to pay out of my own pocket to like get this stuff taken down to a point where, you know, you would pay companies and stuff you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, and then they couldn't even take it down. And then now I'm sitting here and like emailing these companies directly and reaching out to Google and try to do the takedown. So in my experience, uh, you know, I would just like email them and not just Pornhub, like all of them consistently asking them to take down the content. The next day it will be uploaded again. And they would take days to take it down. And everybody that understands algorithm knows that all of the views and all of the profits are made 
the first couple of days. So within 48 hours is when they made the most money from a video. Then from the 48 hours, a week is usually, you know, five days, 48 hours to five days is when they usually take something down, right? And then uh, not just like Pornhub, but like all of the websites. And then um, they made all of the profit from there. But then let's say if they completely refuse, which a lot of them do, they don't even want to take down the link. They don't even acknowledge you or they just refuse. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they don't take it down, then you got to go to Google. So Google takes it down after a month, six weeks, two months. And that's when they made all of all of all of the profits. Of course, it's convenient to take something down when you already made all of the money off of it. And why is Google taking six weeks to take down something? And then another thing that I didn't even know till seven years into this. So for seven years, all of these websites been posting this video of me knowing against it's against my consent. It says hacked and leaked on the cover or like at the top of the subject means, hello, it's against my consent, hacked and leaked. I don't want it there, right? So then it says my name too, meaning, oh, look at this girl. She has all these followers, whatever. So people are going to search it up and look it up and, you know, they, they're going to get their views from it. So after seven years, because I know this one girl that does porn, I asked her, hey, do you know someone at Pornhub? And she was like, yeah, I know someone. I got connected. And then finally, they implemented the fingerprint stamp, which means it's a digital video stamp that basically, you know, takes Mm -hmm. away, like, you can't even upload the video anymore because it's a fingerprint stamp, right? So then I found out that, wow, all of these companies, all these years had a fingerprint stamp, including Google, but they don't want to implement it. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, like it's a slap on the wrist, you know, like they didn't know or whatever. No, they all know and they're all in on it. And it's not just like me. It happens or like people in the public eye it happens to like little girls underage girls like there was a 12 year old girl that got raped on camera by her rapist and then the rapist uploaded it uh and then later profited from it so it's it's stuff like that i didn't even realize that oh my god this is trafficking it's it's basically rape you know and um you know i heard they they make money from you know the website traffic and views and so their highest priority is is views and content so they want the maximum amount of content and um i mean the whole moderation is a whole other side of it but what has basically really come to light is you know with the advancements of technology and in the day and age of the the, the internet a lot of people have said you know we're in the we're the the guinea pigs we're in the midst of this um social experiment and there are so many um like a lack of regulation in um online and especially when it comes to um like websites that are showing a lot of content that if this content is is non-consensual or not properly checked which we've uncovered is is most of it um that's really really problematic and so there there needs to be like the laws almost need to kind of catch up with where we've got to at this point in history um and 
Um, the, the unique thing about this as well that we've just, you know, I, I've worked with trafficking victims for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And imagine like going through something that was um, either a, an assault, a trauma, or something that is um, it is very personal and private. Like we spoke to a lot of revenge porn victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that video, that picture is put online and it's not just now an event or a memory that you're trying to move on from or heal from like a trafficking or rape, rape victim one person said they've immortalized my trauma these websites have immortalized the most traumatizing thing that ever happened to me and now I can't move on how can I move on when every day I'm having to obsessively check if someone's re-uploaded it to this website yeah. how can I move on when I'm I'm, I feel like I'm being re-traumatized every time I see the views increase. People are watching that video of me being raped every day around the world. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, well, these porn sites or these websites, they free speech laws can, should cover a lot of their protections and, um, and, and they're trying to classify this as a moral conversation. This isn't about morality. This is actually about human rights violations, illegal content, and um, people, specifically women, because this affects more women than men, being able to um, own their own image and not be victims to um, a situation like a hacking or revenge porn or someone uploading a non-consensual or illegal video of them and then being left powerless to do anything about it and trying to come up against these big corporations and websites. Um, there needs to be just more, more survivors, more people such as yourself being able to speak out about what happened to them so that there's awareness and that's how laws get changed that's how these movements grow and swell and so yeah um, I'm just so glad that you and many others it's like power to the survivors um lawsuits have begun literally even five years ago this wasn't really happening like we're in the midst of history changing and we need to maximize the impact um of what's happening right now yeah, exactly. So other than, you know, the lawsuits, I think it's more important to get the laws to be changed because it's so outdated, like the laws are so outdated and they haven't really updated with technology and what's going on. I don't even think they're really aware of that much what's going on technology wise, you know, so the laws need to be updated, too. So what are some of the uh, work that you guys are doing to up- update the laws? Yeah, well, there's a bill currently being drafted that would sort of amend some of the copyright laws that are currently in place um, and would enable people to have more ownership over their own image. And this law, this law is currently being drafted, and I believe that there'll be many more laws implemented around it. Sometimes laws, when lawsuits happen, things where it where it hurts most, right, in their pockets. Yes. Um, and so sometimes um, civil lawsuits um, help raise awareness of what the laws are that need to be changed. And so with the, the trafficking hub movement, we had different um, senators begin to reach out or say like, well, now we know that all of this is happening. Now these survivors have made us aware by through these lawsuits, partly we are able to um, see where the gaps are in the law. So I think both are equally important, both influence each other. But yeah. just like you said, if, if laws aren't being changed and written, then it remains the wild, wild west online. And so we want, um, we want every um, website to have to um, verify the age and consent 
of the uploader the, and every person in the videos. Um, and we also want people to be able to have more rights over their own images when it comes to copyright and enable to sue websites and um, often porn sites and mm-hmm. um, all this. I remember speaking to one um, woman who was an actress who said, someone has taken a bunch of my scenes from some of my other films I've been in and put together um, this video and put it on Pornhub. But these are very, like, these are, uh, you know, romantic scenes from different films I've been in, but the way that they put it together and edited it and put it on Pornhub, um, she was like, I feel violated and I'm not okay with that, but I don't even know if I have any rights over that because, like, you know, it, it, can someone just do that? And we're saying, like, no, there needs to be much more regulation on some of these sites. I think a lot of people still don't, a lot of people think that most porn sites are studio-based produce porn they think all of it's consensual that all the performers um sign contracts and that's a whole other thing of how contracts and consent is really manipulated even in that industry but Mm -hmm. most porn sites are are uploads like private uploads Mm -hmm. and so um that's how you you have these um titles that like if, if you're seeing a title that says like drunken unconscious girl gagged or um a revenge porn or leaked video Mm -hmm. um that should really alert you like this is a homemade video um how do you know there's no way of not knowing that that is not a real thing like it's not just something being acted in the studio it is a homemade video that someone has has made and there needs to be regulation on that yeah Um, so yeah we're where I'm so inspired by what you're doing, your petition and America, uh, protect America's daughters. Um, yeah, people need to know how how they can help change these laws. Thank you. And then what um, what I was thinking too is it's very difficult for people to understand what they're looking at, right? So, what are some uh, like advice of what people like, let's say some regular guy wants to go look at porn and then they see something like which which one is like with consent and which ones are without consent because there's so many without consent. So like how would it, someone regularly that's watching porn know the difference? Well, that is something that I, a question I posed to a journalist that interviewed me a little while back. I said, um, do you know uh, how to to discern between someone who's consenting or not Mm -hmm. and I have also worked with a lot of survivors I literally was speaking to one this morning who told me she signed a contract but what was in the contract was completely different to what the porn director forced her to do on camera it was a completely violent um exploitative scene and completely different to what she thought she was signing a contract to and so what like this is and, and and she was under the influence and so a lot of, I, I just think that, that it's a question that, um, you know, I, I can't answer, but it's a question that needs to be asked for people who are watching porn, like think about the real person in, in that video, think about the real human life. And if there's no way that you can even know what her situation was in life um, that led her to being there, if there's no way that you can know that she is um, giving her full consent, like you should be thinking through that and wrestling with that. Um, and so, you know, I'm on the other side of it. I'm working with all the women who are um, exploited in, in porn and in the sex industry. 
and who are trying to fight for their rights back, who are in long-term therapy, often for decades. Um, the, the type of violence that they experience um, has, has left a lot of the women I work with permanently scarred with post-traumatic stress disorder, comparable to war, frontline war veterans, physical damages of things that have been done to their, their body parts that have caused permanent damage. And it's, um, it's an industry that is rife with violence and is rife with exploitation. And so we need to um, bring about the most, um, you know, safeguards possible when it comes to pornography. Like there's so many regulations that haven't passed that, that need to protections. Yes. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're way over here and there's a long, long way to go. There's so many regulations that we need to get past that are like at the bare minimum. And so we called the, the campaign that became this movement trafficking hub mm -hmm. because real trafficking was happening on these websites. Real trafficking victims were being impacted by that. And I think for a lot of people, it's the first time they'd ever even made that connection of trafficking mm -hmm. and porn or trafficking and videos they're seeing online. Um, and, and, you know, you know, psychologically, like, the, the kind of, of, of anxiety that it brings, that videos of you are, are out there without your consent, like that is such a, a, a violation that's re-traumatizing. Yeah, and that, I think that's what's so hard for people to understand because, you know, you see someone on a porn site, you automatically dehumanize them and think, oh, they chose this and they wanted this. And I feel good looking at it because it's satisfying to me, but they don't even think like, oh, my God, like this person is against this, their consent or like when it says like hacked and leaked or rape, you know, all these keywords they, they don't I don't think they want to even understand that this is a real situation. They want to just enjoy their little time on, you know, the porn sites and jerk off or whatever they're doing and not even realize that these are real humans and this is real situations and this is a real issue right here. So I think that's what's so important about this whole conversation today and, you know, us doing um this interview is because I wanted to make sure that people understand what kind of damages are going on behind the scenes or what's really going on behind the scenes and not only like you said like on on the camera they're being traumatized and they have to relive it every single day but it's literally like a life sentence because it never goes away uh you know how are you supposed to maintain a regular job and even a job in the public eye, because everything great that you do would always be overshined by this other situation. And people are dehumanizing you consistently and putting all the blame back on you. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you shouldn't have taken those pictures or video. Well, I didn't. Or even if I would have, you know, like, like, mm -hmm. for instance, like, what if you would have done it? what you're not supposed to be a grown adult or you know whatever like and enjoy yourself like and what are the odds that you know you're gonna get trafficked and why are people like making so many excuses for predators to live free and not putting all of the blame on predators and not on the victims basically yeah. so that's what's so crazy to me because not only do they dehumanize you know, victims, but they're dehumanizing, you know, people in the sex industry, they're dehumanizing little girls, like, 
anything you could think of. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to justify it by like, for instance, in my situation is, well, you shouldn't have taken bikini pictures. You were asking for it, you know? And I was like, who would have known? Like, I grew up in Sweden and I'm Iranian and people thinking that I'm beautiful at a young age and I and I have a nice body was like, what? Like, I grew up in Sweden and everybody was tall, skinny and blonde. And like, I was not the like image of beauty at all. Like, I didn't even think I was beautiful until I moved outside of Sweden and people are like, you should try modeling and this and that. So then, yeah, I did some, you know, bikini pictures and here and there. And I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was cool. Wow. People think I'm beautiful. Right. And then, you know, like my following grows and all this stuff. I do modeling, I do acting. And next thing you know, I get hacked. And what the hell? Like, you know, I didn't even know that that was going to happen to me. And even if I would have protected myself, which I did so nicely, like it still happened to me. And I'm like, I'm like a control freak and a perfectionist. Like, you know, I, I try my best to do everything the right way. I never broken any laws or done anything, you know, that's bad. And it like, I didn't even want to do Playboy because I was like, once you go new, that's it for you, you know, and I don't want to do Playboy. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go nude. And what people don't understand is those type of people target people that don't want to go that route. And that's the whole thing to see the the thing or the person that doesn't want to do that. That's the the big like that's the, yeah. the draw of it of it being leaked that's how they can market that and the fact I mean you the fact that your iCloud was 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 hacked it was like some your privacy was robbed it, it's almost as though so, someone came into your house and robbed your belongings that they're still then selling them um in in front of you and and you can't do anything to get that back and that the injustice of that and a lot of like we, we spoke with many revenge porn victims and sometimes it was their husband or their ex-boyfriend. So sometimes it was photos or videos that they'd sent to their husband or, or, or partner. And then after a breakup, that person turns around and can use it um, in a really abusive way against them. Sometimes even dox them, like put their, um, like their real name on this uh, video and then mm-hmm. put it online on Pornhub. We spoke to one woman who... She was so traumatized from this happening and the fact that her her, her details were, were also like made available through this video online and she was having people contact her, phone her. She left the country. She moved out of the US because she said, I feel completely terrorized. Yeah. Um, and I think that like it's it's an evil done against women by perpetrators and also by these companies that then profit off of that. So there's being ex- exploitation is happening from two angles. Um, and until pe- you know, people who are really affected start talking about it, I think a lot of people are really unaware. Most people don't even consider that their iCloud could be hacked or that they send a picture to someone that they trust. And then it's um, like well, one of the the youngest victims we spoke to who um, she's an adult now, but she was 13 years old when her boyfriend persuaded her to send um, a nude video to her, 13 years old. And he put that on Pornhub. 
And so she's wow. a victim of, of revenge porn. As a 13-year-old girl, it completely like wrecked her high school experience in life. She dropped out of school. Mm -hmm. um, she turned to drugs. She became suicidal. Like it completely hijacked her life. Like this is one of the most like greatest forms of violence and evil. Um, and so we want to call people out who are like participating in doing that. And we also, as you said, Odos, we want to see the laws changed so that this can't continue to happen. N more protections need to be in place. Absolutely. Yeah. And then what's even weirder is like the whole world in my situation was sitting around just watching it all happen. Like they're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is happening right now. And Google knew about it. The porn sites knew about it. And it's not just me. It's like big name celebrities involved and everybody just sitting and watching all of these women just getting raped in traffic. Like, it's weird to me. Like, I. I was like, why is everybody just sitting here and not doing anything? And it's like, it's such a new type of crime too, especially when it happened to me in 2014 that like, it was like you're watching something illegal happen and you know it's without consent. You know it's against the law, but there's no laws against it. Like, you know, even the hacker that got um, in prison, like for, you know, all of these hackings, like, there's no strict laws against him committing a sex crime. It's just a hacking. They just consider it like, oh, yeah, it's another hacking. You know, no big deal. Slap on the wrist. And then he's back out again after a year and a half, like nothing happened, you know? So that's what's so strange to me. Like, why are these people not being, you know, convicted sex offender and then been put on a like a sex offender list because they are committing sex crimes they're not just committing like a hack or uploading or whatever and with these sites they're not even like you just need an email address to upload whatever you want mm -hmm. there's no id or anything you know like oh you want to be a content creator for this website you know but if you do actual porn then you have to like sign all the documents and make sure you're not under the influence and have your id and you know like show that it's you know with consent but even then you're saying that like there's so many cases that they might sign something then something else happens which totally makes sense because you know like this world is just it's crazy and I know that, you know, most of the people who are listening to this, they'll feel as equally outraged about all of this as, as we are. And I think yeah. sometimes I just have to remind myself, like most people in the public, I think most people, when they hear about it or hear about it talked in this way that we're framing it, they realize, oh, yeah, that these kind of things, this is not okay. Um, but until, you know, until we started and others began calling out Pornhub, no one even questioned this is just the way it's it's done and so sometimes yeah. it really takes people standing up using their voice and their platform like you are and saying look this is what's happening this is the re repercussions it's not okay right and people are like yeah this isn't okay this is actually really um problematic and illegal and there needs to be accountability um, yeah. and this is yeah how change happens how how movements start um, we started a petition that got over 2 million signatures. Wow. Um, we created this two minute animated video that just um, explained in a couple of minutes what was happening. 
Yeah. It went viral. Over 34 million people watched it in a few days. Mm-hmm. And that really encouraged me. Like people are feeling as equally outraged about this as we are. And so um, they sometimes just need to know. They need to be aware. And so it's, you know, when when journalists like Nick Christoph of the New York Times, it was on the front page. And that was, I really th- think it was a tipping point. Um, and there needs to be many more tipping points. And often it comes from from individuals who've been personally affected, like having the courage to share their story, like without actual survivors and victims speaking out, um, mm-hmm. people don't don't know and don't understand the actual impact that this kind of thing is happening on real people. Yeah, and I think that's the whole issue too, because when it happened to me, everybody was like, don't talk about it because if you talk about it, you bring more awareness to it and then people will search it up more and it will be like constantly going, you know, like people talking about it and looking it up and that kind of thing. So I think a lot of victims are being told not to talk about it and survivors are being told not to talk about it. But the trick here is that we need to change the laws and if you know, they're ready, it will be great if they step forward and like, help the movement, you know, but obviously, if they're ready, because it took me eight years to get here, and it hasn't been easy, like, you know, it took me that long to be like, you know, I'm ready to talk about it, or I'm ready for people if they even said something negative to be able to like, yeah. okay, like, they're just in another headspace, they, they couldn't understand, you know, yeah. But um, but I mean, yeah, I think, of, I think of Harvey Weinstein, that case. And, it, you know, when it was like one case with a, a few survivors who spoke out and that was what really spiraled and inspired the Me Too movement for other women to be like Me Too. But in a, not just, me, you know, talking about Harvey Weinstein, about um, similar experiences of sexual assault. And so this is kind of a new form of, of sexual assault and um you know, the real trauma that it brings, yeah. um, image-based sexual abuse, non-consensual content being um, weaponized against women. And my hope is that it, it really does escalate into a sort of a, an, another wave of a, of a Me Too movement and that um, people who are consuming pornography are, um, are aware of this as well. And our, our current focus as a organization is actually on... Um, protecting minors from accessing pornography because a lot of these adult sites that have very um often like graphic and violent videos Mm. um any child who has access to a smartphone or a computer can access this most sites don't even have a click if you're i am over 18 button and we've had a lot of um teens and young people just talk to us about the 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 impact of, of being exposed to hardcore graphic porn at a young age um, and how a lot of um, sexual assault nurses have told us that most minor sexual abuse cases right now mm-hmm. are being perpetrated by other minors. And those other minors are watching porn and then acting out that abuse on um, their neighbors, their younger siblings. Wow, um, that's... It's, I mean, things that, you know, it's too intense and unmentionable to even share on your podcast. No, but I think it's good that we talk about all of the ugly sides and the real truth about it, because it's like, I think, like I said, like people are so quick to just dehumanize everything. And if they're like having pleasure from it or whatever, they're not even thinking about all of the different factors. So even these little kids, they're watching porn and they don't really understand what they're watching. And then they're like, 
committing all these assaults on other people not understanding like it's it's like oh my god what what are we doing here like what yeah this is so wrong like there's so many um steps in the laws and in the websites and you know like technology all of these things that need to be done and it's not being done but regulations I mean we're sort of we're saying big porn is like big tobacco and that it like big tobacco had so little regulation for so many years and as more and more you know harms became uh, the harms of of smoking became aware uh, awareness and we're saying like if if you if you have to show ID to buy tobacco or alcohol, you should be able to show some form of ID when buying porn. In the past, it was, you know, you had to show ID to purchase a magazine, but now online, it's readily available to any children. And because as we know, these websites, they just want more traffic. And so they have not put any procedures in place to protect kids from accessing their sites because they yeah. make money from kids accessing their sites and then being lifelong subscribers. And so we just feel that that's another important regulation that needs to happen for children um, to protect children from from seeing this. So it's 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 taking this kind of wild wild west industry, seeing all the exploitation and non consensual and and even underage, um, you know, the the underage child abuse factor is a whole other side of things. But I think people, a lot of people think, oh, that's just on the dark web. They wouldn't think, oh, on a website like Pornhub, there are real underage teenage young teenagers on these videos mixed in with adults and how is a moderator going to be able to discern who's 15 16 or 18 um, unless these laws really um ensure that that kind of protection is is enforced so yeah um, this this yeah needs to be a movement it's something that everyone can put their name on the dotted line against i think this is a you know human rights violations we're talking about and it's something that no matter your perspective on um you know on on porn or on a lot of these other issues things that you and I are talking about right here these yeah. should be um it feels black and white to me me too and then one more thing um so I actually looked at the bill that you guys you know uh with changing the law and everything about the copyright and everything um so another aspect of all this that nobody's really even thinking about is that people can take a picture of anyone from online or wherever they feel like and actually place it on a video or a picture of pornography mm-hmm. or a naked person and then later you know upload it and people will actually think because now technology they can actually make your face look like the actual person that's having sex. exactly just off of a picture and it could be taken from anywhere and it's yeah. happening to a lot of people now and that's another issue right there and like people think that oh yeah this can't happen to me because I'm so careful and you know all all of whatever it can happen to anyone like literally you could just have one picture yeah I had um I exposed a, a trafficking ring in Russia a few years ago and we worked with law enforcement and that was a whole kind of operation and the the traffickers that that we exposed and and their faces were on camera and they were very publicly exposed mm-hmm. um before they went to prison they um they found me online and were so furious um that i kind of basically exposed their trafficking activity from um I, i'd met several of this the victims that they were trafficking um through this 
undercover operation we were working on during the World Cup in 2018. And um, in response, they threatened to, to sue me. They sent me all these um, just like horrible messages and, and created porn of me that um, put my face on all these pornographic images. And um, at the time I was like, you know what? You're going to prison and I don't care. But I just thought this is a really nasty way to try and like uh, weaponize and terrorize women. And they made a fake Facebook account. And I thought they're probably sending the, these images to uh, adding all my friends and sending these images to them. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of made me angry that that this is, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, that needs to be a, a kind of a crime that you can report. And luckily I was able to report and get there that Facebook account taken down yeah when when it's then put up uploaded onto porn sites and porn sites are then making money from this and it's been downloaded and shared like we need to be talking about and thinking about this these things now and so I'm really glad that you even brought that up because I think that these laws need to make provisions for that and anticipate this is where it's going how do we prevent that from happening as well and being able enabling people to better best report if their image is being violated in a non-consensual way, whether it's a real video that was uploaded against their consent or a fake video created of them that was uploaded, um, that should not be allowed. Exactly. And like another thing is people probably think, oh, this is a woman's or girl's issue. Like, is that like what you're experiencing uh, with Exodus Cry? Or can you explain that? Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I'm I'm sure this has happened to um, you know some men and boys as well, and so definitely want to acknowledge that in this conversation. But I think the reality is, and that we all know, this is an issue that mostly affects women. All yeah. the victims that s- spoke to us and came to us, um, well, aside from there were a couple of boys um, actually, but the vast majority were women, and um, we want men to be able to talk about this and feel uh, as as angered about this as we are um you know our our founder exercise is a is a man and i think whenever there are men who are in this space who are really advocating and fighting alongside women is it's it's really powerful because we need men who are good allies in this and who really um care about this and want and feel as angry as we do that this is happening yeah um, and so there there are a lot of good men out there who are um, who are wanting to to be part of this movement and are helping draft these bills and our lawyers who are, who are taking on cases and so um, yeah good is being done but there's still a long way to go but I just think it's really good that we're even talking about this and I know I'm learning so much as well like from more traditional trafficking cases the last couple of years um, have been just learning a lot more about what it looks and feels like um, for women who are and victims of image-based abuse online and how we can um, yeah take on these companies that are profiting from that and say you're not allowed exactly I know I I love everything that you guys are doing and like I have to like remind myself too that oh my god this is like there's so many people that are like you know 
helpful in this whole matter and they actually want to see change too because it happens to all kinds of people and maybe the little boys or men aren't talking about it as much because they're so shamed about it like you know and even with little boys getting molested and like you know raped or um situations or men getting raped it's more shameful for them to talk about and discuss but it does happen to a lot of men by other men or you know even women so it's like it's important to talk about it for everyone and you know this could happen to your daughter to your sister to your little boy to your little girl to you know your mother your family member your girlfriend your wife you know so it, there's a lot of factors in this and there's a lot of factors even though like this happened to me my story is just one version then there's so many different versions and you know like they're all horrible and like like really like horror stories you know and I'm just like wow this is this is just crazy so I'm really happy that me and you connected and we were on the same like wavelength and you know we're going towards the right direction of helping other people so they don't like fall victims or you know if they are victims what to do next kind of thing um to kind of push through that so and if anyone who's listening who has experienced this and is like I I want to know what my legal options are and I want to maybe join a lawsuit then like you really can contact us and we're, we're also providing therapy for um for people who've been through this and um, whether that was through a, a website or just experienced um, sex trafficking um, and so just know there's help out there not just our organization but many other organizations are really fighting to provide services and justice for, for survivors um, and we, yeah let's see these laws changed and yeah you can now, our website is exoduscry.com if anyone wants to find out more of the other work that we're doing and um, our most recent film Raised on Porn is on YouTube it just got three million views um, Yay. that's good so it's good yeah yeah the conversation is getting out there and awareness is happening and we have another petition uh, and people need to sign your petition as well if they have yeah I we are like this like we need to get this out there more so everybody sign all the petitions there is you know watch all the documentaries and go to exoduscry.com and check everything out and sign all the petitions yeah all of the good stuff but thank you so much for doing this I like really appreciate you taking time and you know, talking about all of yeah. these issues. And there's also there's so many more that we didn't even discuss. But yeah, mm-hmm. like this is just tip of the iceberg, you know? <laughs> so yeah, but we're gonna change it. We're gonna help other people so it doesn't happen and you know help it other victims. Other to to come forward and join that too. And um yeah, I think that there's really there's not enough support out there for revenge porn specifically and so I'd really love to see more um like a hotline for that particular issue um and just laws that cover all um yeah all possible exploitation um we need to get ahead of of what's happening and just yeah there needs to be more regulations um So in Egypt, actually, they started a hotline because there was a girl that committed suicide, underage girl. And the two men that actually uploaded these images of her, like, being naked, 
they did the morphing thing where they just took her picture and added it to another person's naked body and basically, you know, share those images. And she kept telling her parents and everyone that that's not her and nobody wanted to believe her. So she finally committed suicide. And, you know, like, I mean, it's too late now, but they at least like, um, you know, they imprisoned the, the guys or the boys that were doing that. And then they have a hotline now for crimes like that or like, you know, victims or whatever, whoever needs help. So it's just crazy to me that we're in the U.S. and it happens all the time and there's no hotlines here, like, you know. I know. That, I mean, there's lots of general assault, like sexual assault hotlines, like um, RAIN is a, a great one. But I do think that, um, yeah, having a hotline that's specifically for this situation and that can, can directly help people to um, try and get those videos or photos taken down or just the specific counseling or services or legal support that they need Um, yeah I think it's also like uh when you know in in my situation like I talked about it and you know there's been people that have been so understanding so giving and caring and they totally understand like like for instance I will go somewhere and out of nowhere I just start crying because I see like somebody uploaded something again or somebody said something or you know um all of these bullies are putting me in a group chat so I could see like how they're making fun of me or you know of this stuff being leaked and all that kind of stuff and it was years and years after it even happened but like I would see that and out of nowhere I would just start crying like I would just be in an event or something and I would just start crying and no matter how hard I would tell people that like it was against like my consent or like I didn't want this to happen. They wanted to portray it as like a, oh, she she wanted that to happen. It was like a Kim Kardashian thing or, you know, and that's another thing. They try to minimize um, what really happens to the victims. Like, yeah. like they make it seem like it's not really, you know, you weren't really trafficked because nobody kidnapped you or you you weren't actually raped because the person wasn't there in person doing it or imagine the actual rape victim how are you minimizing them and I'm not minimizing anyone I'm just saying my experience of what I went through and I can relate to other people and what they went through and like with a little girl, where it's happening to a little girl, like this happened when I was an adult. But if I was a little girl, I don't think I would have survived it. Like knowing that I have a whole life ahead of me yeah. with this being brought up every single day, every time I would do something great, it would get overshined by that. that everybody will bring it back up again. Like, oh, yeah. She did this amazing thing, but like, look at this video. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, and it's just crazy to me. Imagine being a 12 or 13 year old girl and you're just like starting your life. And right off the bat, something like this happens in high school, everybody. And you can't have a job or you can't go to school or, you know, like, like I literally isolated myself for years. And but just imagine like being that little girl and like going through that. So I think there's a lot of little girls that are like committing suicide because of it. But like, 
we need hotlines because this is such an important issue. But then, you know, nobody it's hard for other people to understand. So I think there also needs to be training in this subject, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, there's a lot of factors (laughs) that goes along with it, you know. And education is a whole other aspect that I know you and I have talked about as well and how, you know, in, in schools and a friend of mine, Russ Tuttle, he runs this program called Be Alert and I'm sure there's other similar programs in schools and he goes to middle school and high school students and really teaches them about um, about image sharing and how um, like t- texting and, and new texting among teenagers is so high, so many, uh, you know, boys are seeing porn and then they're asking their female classmates pressurizing them like that 13 year old girl that I mentioned earlier this is um, really uh, commonly happening and it's so unfair and unjust because once that person has once that that boy or it could be a girl but yeah once that person has the image of the other person um, they can use that as a weapon to, uh, and it's used to shame them, to blackmail them, to just like you said, every time they're trying to, to move on or, you know, it, it, it's this like shadow over their identity and that's so wrong. And it's a form of bullying that's so intense and so potent and it's, um, it's really not okay. Like my, my, my colleague Lila calls this, a, it's a form of terrorism against women and girls and, and young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but then, it, yeah, there needs to be education in, in high schools of, um, of, of people just seeing the impact that this kind of behavior can have on other people so that um, it's not just about, you know, protect yourself and don't send new pictures of yourself. Like, yes, that's one aspect, but, we need to train like people in in bullying and young boys in how to treat women with dignity and respect and yeah it starts early on like it needs to you need to nip it in the butt like early on and then just kind of like educate everyone so everybody understands everybody's on the same page and I think also it's important to educate people of god forbid if this does happen what are the next steps how do you take something down from google how do you protect yourself um you know those kind of steps as well because you know like I said like you don't want to talk about it because you're just being so shamed consistently about it so it's just like over and over and over in my specific scenario too, all of the people that I worked with, they use that as an ammo kind of situation to like, kind of get rid of their competition. So like, they use that as like a tool to be like, Oh, don't work with this girl. She like leaked this tape to become famous. And you know, all of these lies where I'm like, well, if I wanted to do porn, I would have just went straight and done porn or I would have done straight nudes, you know, but they will go and spread all these lies or they would continuously spread the video more, you know? So it's kind of the same like high school mentality, you know? So imagine a little girl going through school and all the little mean girls and the mean boys and the bullying. And it's just like, they continuously spread it and spread it and talk about it, talk about it. So it's not just the stuff being leaked on the internet, but it's also it being shared within people and the groups and everybody looking at you all weird. And they all seen you in this different light that was private, you know? So I think that those aspects too are like not being discussed, but 
yeah, there's a lot of aspects that needs to, you know, get brought up. But I won't hold you up anymore uh, longer. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And uh, where can everybody find you except for exodus.com, exoduscry.com? Um, I mean, our, our handle is just at Exodus Cry, and mm-hmm. um, we just have a lot of, of content that's really educational and important and ways people can get involved. And then our films are on YouTube, Nefarious is on global sex trafficking, Raised on Porn is also on YouTube, yeah. our Liberated is on Netflix, and we've got a few more films in the pipeline coming out this year. So um, we really believe in the power of story and films to educate and, and shift the culture too. And then we're doing activism campaigns and legal reform, as well as um, providing services to, to victims and survivors. So, um, yeah, we're just uh, very grateful to, to connect with you. And it's just been a real pleasure being able to talk through some of these things and hear more yeah. about your story and the work that you're doing. And, um, yeah, we, we want to have you on our podcast, too, sometime this year. Yeah, for sure. We're going to do it all. So (laughs) and if you could send me all of the links of, you know, all of the social media and even the uh, Netflix specials, the names and everything, and Mm -hmm. maybe the phone number, I don't know if whatever else you want to add, include, if you can send that, I could put that in the description. So everybody could go in the description, all of the links and everything will be there for you. So it's easier to find. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. I want to like give you a big hug and then I want to go and like start giving everybody hugs. (laughs) I want to be like, thank you. Thank you so much. This is so amazing. We're in this together, linking arms. This is one fight. And your, you know, your, your, your strength and passion and conviction on this is really inspiring and powerful. And we feel the same way. So like, I'm, yeah, we have allies in each other for sure. Yeah, for sure. You're like an angel because this happened to me, but like this, this didn't even happen to you. And you just took it on yourself to be like, you know what? This is horrible. We need to fix this. This is like amazing, you know? So, (laughs) so I'm like, okay, here we go. We got an actual angel right here. That's helping everybody like without it even happening there for me it happened but you know (laughs) I'm like advocate for it the courage it takes for you to speak out when it's happened to you it feel it can feel very personal and vulnerable and so I um you know if, if we get pushback and criticism and things people say untrue things about us in the media but I feel like it's you know I can take hits I think it's much harder when survivors get ridiculed or told that they're lying or like we we want I think survivors and allies because I'll, I'll happily take hits for survivors. I'd rather take the hit um, than them uh, because they're, de- they're already dealing with enough trauma. Yeah, for sure. So you got to take all my hits now. <laughs> oh, like, there you go. You take, yeah, I'm like, Helen Taylor, she's going to take all my hits, you guys. Hit her up. In no way. <laughs> yeah, she's like putting the zero cape on, you know. <laughs> all right but thank you so much oh, again I'll, 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 all right yeah we'll all stay right. in touch I'll follow all up right. all right, bye. Bye. Bye.